Guys, I, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for Michelle uh, because she cares. Um, I love people, and I love to walk alongside of people, but she's just really good at it. She's just really good at it, and um, when she comes uh, and has a conversation with you or sits down, um, it's just always good. She's always got something good to say. Um, you, you see people in life who are just really led by the Spirit. Um, she is one of those people, and it comes out in how she cares uh, for people and how she sees the need. So, so thankful for you, Michelle. Thankful for that ministry. Um, I'm glad we're together this morning, too. So open up your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 1. And as you're on your way to Acts chapter 1, uh, go ahead and grab Matthew 28 uh, also um, while you're there, because we're going to spend a little bit of time in both of those. Um, I'm excited uh, for a lot of different reasons this morning. <clears throat> but one of the reasons I'm excited is because we are starting something called Mission Month um, that we've uh, been doing now for the past few Octobers. It's looked different every year uh, that we've done it, but this morning is uh, kicking off uh, Mission Month. And if you say, well, what is Mission Month? Uh, for us, Mission Month, it's just us taking uh, some intentional time together as a family of believers um, to see um, what Jesus sees to ask, Lord, if you would open up our eyes uh, to see what you see for the world, to have a heartbeat maybe for what the, the Lord has. And so we want to spend uh, some intentional time doing that. And over the month, like today, you get me, okay? So here we go. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to have some really amazing people uh, here. Um, we support a ministry in, in India called uh, Adore of Hope. And uh, we've been able to partner with them over the past uh, four years, I believe. And uh, one of our pastors who's a part of that team, Prashant, and his wife, Archana, um, they are going to be here next week. Um, and so they've come, they've come in from uh, Maharashtra, and they're going to spend a few days with us, and they're going to spend uh, Sunday with us and be able to talk, and you'll be able to hear from them and what God's doing in them and what he's doing in the area of ministry uh, that they're in, in Maharashtra. Um, and they are amazing people, so I can't wait for you to hear from them. The following week, we're going to have uh, another guy named uh, Keith Farron who's going to come in, and he is all about diving into the scriptures. And what, when we get into God's word, what does it look like for us? Um, or what, when we get into God's word, um, we're able to see um, all from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, the heart that he has for the world, um, the heart that he has for mission. And then we're going to wrap up, or then, then we have uh, actually um, Lonnie, who you see up here playing the guitar and the bass. Um, he's going to come up here and he's going to share some of the stuff that uh, Jesus reveals to Peter um, after his uh, resurrection and just be able to talk into that space. And what does it look like us, for us to follow Jesus? Um, what does it look like for us to be restored? into the walk that he has for us. And then finally, we'll wrap up uh, with me and then we'll put a bow on Mission Month. But um, this really is one of my favorite times uh, of the year. And obviously, we've come off a, a couple of things here recently in India and the DR, and we have uh, 14 people who have been excited and been impacted by what's going on in the DR. And I believe that you have been impacted by that as well because you've been praying and financially supporting and coming alongside of, of those individuals too. Um, so I'm excited uh, for Mission Month. And, and, and despite what your face is telling me right now, I believe that you're excited um, about that too, okay? Uh, so uh, we're in Acts chapter one, and uh, we're gonna be in Matthew 28 as well. But I want you to look up here at the screen real, real quick. Um, here at Riverview, 
Um, we have a, a core mission, uh, a mission statement. A lot of churches, a lot of businesses, whatever, they have mission statements that say, this is what we want to be about. This is what kind of um, uh, we want to be intentional about building around. And our mission statement is RCC exists to glorify God by helping people find Jesus and experience true life in him. And when we say that, what we mean is that what's important to us is that we help people step into a relationship with Jesus and that we don't just lead people into having a relationship in Jesus. We want, the, we want more than just having a relationship. We want them to grow up and to dig in in that relationship with Jesus too. We want to see them get connected. We want to see them start digging in and start finding the life that Jesus has called them uh, to live into. And so for us, that's important. And that's why we do everything else that we do around here. And on top of that mission statement, we actually have four core values or family values, we call them too. These are uh, truth statements or these are um, value statements that we want to intentionally be a part of or we want to choose to live by as followers of Jesus who are part of a local church, right? Who are, who are uh, driven to do something in our community and in our world. And so we've said these are our four values. Um, we want to choose God's truth over our opinion, we want to choose God's grace over our striving. We want to choose God's family over our isolation. And then the last thing that we have there in our family values is what I want to focus on this morning is that we want to choose God's mission over our comfort. And I think when we read that, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but on top of that, just like with the other values, we've, uh, we've thrown a, a little more verbiage in there to help us clarify what we mean. And so with God's mission over our comfort, um, here, here's what we mean by that. Go ahead and throw the next slide up there, guys. There we go. Um, we believe that Jesus has given us a mission to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news of his kingdom. We will seek in every way to do this personally, and corporately as a church, in our local environments, as well as our global community. We will have a heartbeat for our world, okay? You guys with me so far? Our mission statement and some of our values, and this is the one that we're focusing on. Now, if I were new to a church, or if I'd been, hang, I'd been around for a long time, or I was exploring, is this a church that I want to be a part of? I'd be asking a lot of questions, and I, and I would want to know, why are you doing what you're doing? What is important to you? Is what you're doing, is it just something that you're excited about or because you think that it's cool? Or um, what's it driven by? Is it a hobby horse for you guys? Why are you doing what you're doing? I, I want to say that this is extremely important to us. And I believe that this mission that's driven out of a love for God and is driven out of a love for his people, I believe that it's actually the heartbeat of Jesus. And I believe that that mission is, was intended to be the heartbeat of his church. I believe that mission is written all throughout the scriptures, from the, beginning of, from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, that God wants his people to know him, not just here in our local environment, but he wants his people all around the world to know who he is and to have a relationship with him. And that mission is the heartbeat for his church, that, that we are supposed to not only do mission every once in a while, but that is to be who we are in our local environment and in our global environment as well. But if we're being honest with one another, right, this is um, living on mission and sharing our faith and talking to people about Jesus, probably one of the most difficult things to do, or at least it's probably one of the things that scares us or freaks us out or intimidates us uh, the most, right? Because there's this internal feeling I think that we walk around with when we come to Jesus is like, I don't know what to say to people. 
whether I've just become a believer or maybe even I've been a believer for 40 years. I just don't know what to say. I feel like it's going to be awkward when we have this conversation. Or when I have that conversation with somebody, I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know how my work environment is going to respond. I don't know how my family is going to respond. And, and then I think there's maybe even this part of us that when we come to Christ, uh, and we know that we're supposed to be on mission, and we're supposed to share our faith, but there's a part of us that says, man, I just don't know if I feel changed enough. <laughs> I don't know if I feel worthy enough. I, I, I still feel dirty from the things that I've done in my past. And so if I start sharing my faith with somebody, I feel like they're going to laugh at me or they're going to call me a hypocrite because I still struggle with things. And so there's a part of us that just doesn't feel changed enough. And then on top of all that, we have Satan who is against the church. We have Satan who's against anybody who loves God, who's trying to get in and trip us up to, to stop anything that God might be a part of. And so we feel fear, we feel frustration, and sometimes we feel failure in all these different ways. And so I want to look at a few things in Matthew 28 this morning and then jumping into Acts 1 that I think might help us out in, in this call to be on, on mission, okay? So uh, in Matthew 28, we're going to start there. Now, we know over the past few weeks, um, we've been in the book of Mark, and the, the whole time that we've been there, we've been seeing Jesus take these 12 guys, and he's been walking around with them, and he's been showing them what life connected to him is supposed to look like. But the ultimate goal for these 12 guys, or it ends up being 11 guys for a little while, the ultimate goal wasn't for them to just to stay living in this cocoon of walking physically with Jesus that they've been walking in for the past three years. Jesus had a mission for these guys. And in Matthew 28, I believe it's the clearest picture of the mission that we have that Jesus was preparing them to do once he's gone. Okay, So we're going to start in verse 18. And here's what Jesus says to them just before he's getting ready uh, to leave. And Jesus came... And he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And when we read that, we're like, huh, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? This, this is easy to do, no problem. This, this is something that we call the, the Great Commission. This is this big and wild call to go into all of the world and to teach everyone what they've experienced with Jesus over the past three years. And on the surface, when these guys hear this, and when we read this even now, this just feels so big, doesn't it? You're reading like, how on earth are we supposed to do that? Teach everything to everyone in the whole world? Really? How are we supposed to do that? Why would you call us to such a big task? But what Jesus is saying to these guys, even in this moment, is just go out and tell people about me. Tell people about what you've experienced. Tell people about what you've seen over the past three years that you've spent with me. Go tell everyone you can about our time together and what you've seen in me. And then at the end of Mark, it ends. That's how it ends. And if you've never read this before, You've never heard this before, and you don't know how the story ends. You're left wondering, well, what did they do? Did they go out and do this? Did they go out and tell everybody about Jesus and everything that they had experienced? And you and I, we're sitting in this room right now because we are testimonies that, and yes, in fact, they did go out and share the good news with people around them. They went out and shared the kingdom of God with people. They went out and told people about Jesus. They discipled people who were around them. And not only did they disciple those people, but those disciples that they made went out and they discipled other people too. And over and over and over in that process went, and we are sitting here to day at RCC because people believed that this mission mattered. 
It mattered to them. So how did that happen? Flip over to Acts chapter 1, if you would. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, for us, as we're digging into the Bible, we want to ask questions. We want to see what God's Word says. We don't just want to assume things. We don't want to just take something that somebody else has said. We want to ask questions of what the Scriptures say, okay? So a little bit of Bible study methods here is we ask, what were the disciples waiting on? If he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait, what, in fact, are they actually waiting on? Anybody? Be, be confident. Say it. Yeah. I heard, I heard, I think it's the Holy Spirit. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, go or stay here in Jerusalem. Don't leave this place until the Holy Spirit shows up, right? Jesus said, don't leave here until he comes. And so they're doing exactly what Jesus said. They're waiting in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, they have no idea what that looks like. They haven't seen that. They haven't read Acts 2. They don't know what's getting. They are living in the moment with Jesus. He says, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they're like, I guess we're going to know when it shows up somehow. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back and tell us. I don't know. Now, think with me. Jesus had these disciples for three years now. He's been spending time with them. And the whole time that he's with them, he's showing them what the kingdom of God is. He's showing them what it looks like. He's been talking about it. It's been in almost every conversation that he's been having with them. And so he's shown them that the kingdom of God is full of mercy, that it's full of grace, that it's obviously full of miraculous things, love, compassion, freedom, living life right alongside of him. They've seen so many things as they've been walking along with Jesus to prove the fact that the kingdom of God is in their midst. And everything that he did was showing them the kingdom. And this is what it looks like. And now, here he is. Jesus has died. He's been buried. They saw every single bit of that go down. But he's sitting with them again. This is a big deal. And as he's sitting with these disciples, he's sitting with them one last time here in Acts chapter 1. And I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this or if you've experienced this, you've lived long enough to be around this. But I've sat enough, I've, or I've sat by enough bedsides now, and I've sat with enough families to hear some of the last words that people have to say to their kids, to their parents, to their friends who might be in the room. Let me tell you, the last words that people say, it's not usually about their achievements. It's not usually about all the accolades that they've had or all the escapades even that they've been a part of. Sometimes you get to hear some really funny stories. But sometimes the last words that people have to say with their, with their loved ones is, these are the things that I want you to know. These are the things that are important to me. And if I have anything to pass down to you, this is the thing. They talk about what they've been passionate about. They talk about what matters to them. And so Jesus, if you can imagine this, this is what's happening here. This is kind of the thing. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's got one last conversation that he's having with them, and he's telling them what's most important to him, what's consumed his life, why he's been spending all of his time moving towards Jerusalem, and why he's been spending all this time telling people he's talking about what he's been passionate about, and he's passionate about his kingdom, and he's passionate about his children knowing about the kingdom and being in his kingdom. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's saying, go tell people about me. 
I want people to know about this because my heart is that they are going to be here with me, that they're going to be in my kingdom with me. And people often want to know when somebody's about to leave is what do we do now? What do we do now that she's gone? What do we do now that grandma or grandpa is gone? What do we do now that mom and dad is gone or gone? How are we going to go on? What are the next steps for us? What are we supposed to do? And what Jesus is doing in Acts chapter 1 is he's giving them instructions on what they're supposed to do next. What are their next steps to do when he leaves? And Jesus was saying, stay here in Jerusalem and wait. And in verse 5, he says, this is what you're waiting on. You're waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. Now, let me ask you this. Why does it matter that they're waiting on the Holy Spirit? Why does the Holy Spirit make a difference for these disciples? You thought about that? When Jesus leaves, they're going to be sitting around. They're going to be wondering, what do we do now? What's the next steps? And the last thing that they've heard from Jesus, the, the last command that they've heard from Jesus is in Matthew 28. Go into all of the world and make disciples. Go into all of the world and tell people about me. Now, I'm just going to assume that all of these disciples were go-getters, okay? I know at least one of them doubted, and I know uh, several of them were a little quick with the mouth, and some of them were quick with the sword, and some of them got in trouble from time to time. We had the sons of thunders. We have people, like, there's a, there's a lot of issues sometimes that are popping up with the disciples, but I'm just going to assume that at the heart level that these guys were go-getters. And when Jesus said, go make disciples, that everything inside of them said, let's go out and let's do it. I want to do what Jesus has told me to do. But the temptation for them, and I think the temptation for you and me sometimes, is to go out and try to do this on our own. Do you remember back in Mark when the disciples went out and they tried to do what they had been doing on their own and uh, try to cast out demons and they couldn't cast out demons? They come back, well, well why couldn't we do that? And they said, this is, this is the kind that can only be cast out by prayer. And they had got to the point where they were trying to do ministry on, on past experiences. They were trying to do ministry on their own power without the power of God inside of them. And, and what, they're, what Jesus is saying to them is that it's not going to work like that. There is no way to accomplish the Great Commission without the power of God. There is no way to make disciples without depending on the Holy Spirit to make disciples. We will never do what God has called us to do without God being present in the midst. We just can't. Godly business is done by God not by our own flesh and not by our own efforts. And you can try. We can try to do the work of God without God being present, without the Holy Spirit being active. But I think that's when fear and frustration comes. I, I think that's when the, the fear of failure begins to show up. I think that's when we start worrying about what other people think and what other people are going to say. I, I think that's when, when all the worry and the doubt starts to come in, when we try to do the work of God without the power of God. And so these disciples, they're sitting here, and Jesus says to them, don't you dare try to go out and do the work of God without the power of God. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do what I've called you to do. To Jesus, he's been talking about the kingdom. And these guys have spent three years with him. But somehow, they still thought that the kingdom of God was going to be Israel being restored right in front of them while they're, while they're still uh, living. And so while they're sitting there waiting, they start talking with Jesus and they're asking questions about the kingdom of God. And they said, now, uh, when are you going to restore Israel again? Like, we've been hanging out for a while. Like, wh when is Israel going to come back to prominence again? And look at verse 6. 
So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And I think Jesus is like, guys, you need to pay attention here. I think you're missing the point here. It doesn't matter for you to know those details. It just doesn't matter. Now, if you're a detail person, this bothers you, doesn't it? Like, like if you want to know how everything is going to work and you're a planner and you got the schedule and everything is color-coded and blocked and, you know, when he's going to be here and she's going to be there and if, if we can just make it here, then we'll be able to get to... If you're a planner, when Jesus says those details don't matter to you, that bothers you because we want to know the details. You, you mean the dates and the times and the details? You're going to keep those away from us? Yes. Why? He says, because it doesn't matter. You don't need to know. It's not important. Don't focus on the timeline. Focus on the mission. Here's what I want you to do. Go make disciples. Here's how he says it in verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. He said, only the Father knows these things. It's not important for you to know. He says, here's what you need to know. This is what's most important, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You don't need to worry about the time. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses and to tell people about me. Everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we read that and we see that and we're like, well, what what does that mean? It means that the person that they've been waiting on, the Holy Spirit, he's about to change not only their life, but he's about to change the entire world. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. That's hard. That's a tall order. It's an intimidating order. How are they supposed to do that? Acts 1, Jesus says, this is how you do it. This is the roadmap. Now, have you, have you guys noticed around here and all throughout Gretna and all throughout Omaha and even down into Lincoln that everywhere you look, ground is being cleared and houses are just popping up all over the place? Anybody notice that? Like we, we, we go by and, and, and the kids are like, there's another house. There's another community. I'm like, yeah, man, these, these things are popping up all over the place. Now, if I sat down and I said to you, here, build one of these houses, and you've never done that before, that would be intimidating, would it not? Like, how am I going to, where am I going to start? Like, you, you'd be utterly confused. But if I said, okay, here's how you do it. Start by thinking about what you want the house to look like. Come up with a plan. Get some plans together. And then next, here's what you do. You clear the ground grade the dirt, and then if you want a basement, you dig the basement if you want that, and then you pour the walls, and then you build the frame, and so on, and so on it goes. And oh, by the way, here are all the tools that you're going to need to do the job. Here's all the permits that you're going to need to do the job. You're going to have everything you need. That helps, right? It's still intimidating if you've never done it, but now you have a bit of a step-by-step plan. You have a plan, and you have the power to do what you've been asked to do. It's step-by-step. It may not be easy, but it's given you direction. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, you see Jesus given the direction. There's a local, a regional, and a global plan that he's put together. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, here's the plans. You have the spirit of God, or you're going to have the spirit of God, and then go and tell people about me in Jerusalem, spread out to Judea, then go through Samaria, and then go to the ends of the earth. And when the Holy Spirit showed up, that's exactly what they did. They started in Jerusalem. They went to Judea. They went through Samaria. And we see the word get to the ends of the earth. We are the ends of the earth 
to those who were hearing about it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the question for us is now, what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? They were waiting on the Spirit. The Spirit has come. So right now in this room, what are we waiting on to fulfill what God has given us to do in Acts chapter 1-8 in Matthew 28? Let's go tell people about Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. In Acts chapter 2, he shows up in this mighty display of power. And now every person who comes to Christ has been given the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. And we have everything we need to do the job that God has called us to do. It's intimidating. doesn't change that. But the plan's still the same. We have Jerusalem. We have Judea, we have Samaria, and we have the ends of the earth. It's all around us. The call of Jesus was just simply, go and tell people about me. Go tell people about me. And there's, I think there's a personal call to that, and there's a corporate call to that. Personally, we go tell people about Jesus in our sphere of influence, right? We have family. We have friends. We have coworkers. That's local for us. There's regional and there's global that comes along with that. But tell me if this, if this is true of you and this personal call to share the gospel um, with, with, with people. We don't often have time. We feel like if I start a conversation, that's going to take more time than I have because I get to this next thing. Um, I was talking with <coughs> Ryan Potter, <coughs> which uh, was one of the guys who led the, the trip with me to the DR. And he was talking um, with one of uh, the, our, our guys in the DR that we've partnered with, with Tierra Permitida. And he said, well, like, when, when we're sitting over here and we're sharing the gospel with people and we're going from house to house, it just feels easy. Um, I mean, it's not easy, but it feels easy. Like people just kind of sit out in their yard and they want to talk to you. And he said, why, why can't we do that in, in America? And uh, he said, it's easy. He said, you guys are too busy. There's no, there's no space in your day to have conversations like that. And so I think in, in our personal level, we, we need to make sure that we have enough time to sit down and talk with people. That if we want to be engaged in something that is outreach related, that we need to make time in our schedule. It's not going to happen if there's no time. And we have to decide or we have to know that as, as individuals, if you've got family in the house, if you've got young kids in the house, we are discipling them towards something. What are we discipling them to? If we have no room to share the gospel with people, and we have no conversations that are leading to Jesus, what are we showing them that's important to us? What is our time focused on? And so one of the things we have to focus on as individuals is, do I have time to tell people about Jesus? Do I take the moments that are spontaneous, and do I schedule it in, in, in my calendar to actually be able to do that? At RCC, on the corporate level, we've said that mission is very important to us. And we want to build things around that. And we want to invest in that locally, regionally, and globally. Um, what we do as a staff and what we do as elders, like we pray about where God wants us to be involved. Um, we um, want to have a culture of saying yes when, when missionaries come and say, hey, can, can you support me? And if it fits along with the, the mission of we want to plant churches here and around the world, we say, yeah, let's, let's figure out a way to do that. And so we pray about ways to be involved. And so there are some natural connections that we have. And if we don't have a natural connection, we look for connections. And we want to be able to say yes to be on mission. And so there are several things that we've said yes to over the years. Um, here, here are some of the things at Riverview that we support if you did not know how we are corporately on mission. In the local realm here in town, we support The Rock. We come alongside of them financially and say, what do you need? How can we support you? 
the FCA. Um, we come alongside of them and say, how can we support what you're doing there? The food pantry is something local here. We say, how can we help you have what you need on the shelves to come alongside of our community so that food is not an issue uh, for them? RCC Cares, Michelle just mentioned uh, a little bit about that. Um, there's a benevolent factor to that, but then there's this also, like we just want to come alongside of you and help you get close to Jesus and figure out what is getting in the way um, of that. And then on the regional side of things, um, we support Youth for Christ. Um, uh, Haley um, Willard, who uh, is ministering in Millard, we come alongside of her and say, what, what are you doing in Millard in the school system? How can we walk alongside of you to help you share Christ in Millard? And then Rachio Christie um, with Wesley um, Farewell in Lincoln, he is uh, doing apologetics with college kids on the campus. And he sets up a little booth and says, hey, how can we talk? And he'll put a question out and say, Let, let's talk about this in dialogue. And, and he gets to minister to those who just want to dive deep and have questions and, and, and want answers, but some things that there's no answers to. And he gets into these deep conversations with them, and he's really good at what he does. And then with YWAM, we have Jess Buller, who is in Montana right now, and she was in Colorado, and she's been over in Saudi Arabia, and she has shared the gospel. And she said, how can we walk alongside of you as you continue to train to go out and do that ministry? And then on the global side of things, we just talked a little bit about Door of Hope in India, and Prashant um, is going to be here next week, and he's going to be talking about that. Um, Hogar Sapuke, um, that's a ministry that we support in Argentina with uh, Jeffrey and Angelica Rosehart. They are working with kids, street kids, uh, to help come alongside of them and share Jesus with them um, uh, in a setting where uh, they have an uh, after-school program um, or a during-school program for those who don't go to school and help educate children, but also while they're doing that, they feed and share the gospel of Jesus with them too. And then we have Tierra Prometida, which you guys are uh, fully aware of. Um, they're in the DR uh, with a team that has just come back. And then we also, we've recently come alongside of uh, Craig and Geraldine Schink, um, who have been doing ministry uh, in South America, um, but also <clears throat> who have uh, been doing ministry in India. And they're, uh, I believe they're getting ready to move to India um, to stay focused on what God has called them to there. And so we come alongside and support them as well. And recently we have Lila Marzouk, who we're missing because we just love having her around. She's doing the world, the world race with Adventures in, in Missions right now. And so she's on a nine-month uh, mission tour of just watching Jesus do amazing things. So um, those are a, some of the, some, maybe all of the missions that we are supporting, um, just trying to engage with this call in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to go and tell people about Jesus locally, regionally, and globally. And so I'd ask, man, if there's something that you aren't yet a part of and you want to be a part of and say, how can, I, how can I come alongside? How can I support there to jump in on one of these? But I think the bigger call for us as individuals is what are we waiting on to tell people about Jesus? What are we waiting on? The Spirit has come. If you're a believer in Christ, He's given you everything that you need to go and to tell people about Him. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for time together uh, in your word. This is such, such a simple call, but it's so, it's so um, deep and overwhelming as well, God. Would you give us the audacity to obey this call? Would you stir our hearts and open up our eyes to see the mission field that you've given us around us in our local environment, in our regional environment, and in our global environment as well? Show us where to minister in our Jerusalem. 
Show us where to minister in our Judea and Samaria. Show us where to be a part of the ministry that you're doing around the world. But at the base level, God, would you give us the courage to open up our mouth and to tell people about you? So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.